Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Blaine Chocolate. As many of you know, the release of Blaine's long-anticipated book, Game Changer, is right around the corner. Blaine shares how he developed the Game Changer platform and the journey of writing his first book. I think you guys are really going to like this interview. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. We want to welcome a new sponsor to the Articulate Fly family. This episode's sponsored by our friends at Steelhead Alley Outfitters. Steelhead season will be here before you know it. If you're going to chase Steelhead in the Lake Erie Tribs, you need to do it with the guys at SAO. Spots are going fast, so head on over to SteelheadAlleyOutfitters.com and get set up today. Now, on to our interview. Well, Blaine, welcome back to the Articulate Fly. Uh, glad to be back, man. Uh, it's great to have you. Um, and, you know, what a difference a year makes. It seems like forever uh, since we were at Ballast Point Brewery in Daleville. How's the fishing season been treating you? <laughs> yeah, it does seem like forever. It's like the year that never ends. Uh, <laughs> It's, um, it's been a diff it's been a different world for sure. You know, um, I went from having the best musky season, you know, starting last winter, you know, late November through March being the best musky season I've ever had. Um, not only with numbers, but, you know, big fish, you know, we had nine, um, first cast catches, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, just one cast and caught one you might have even been a part of that if i'm not mistaken if that was this year it's been such a long year i can't remember if that was this year or not i think it was te- i think it was technically last year but it was close enough to this year that i think we should count it yeah right yeah so i guess it was man right right after christmas right yep. so yeah that, that's what i consider my so um right after that uh the whole pandemic hit you know i Got off a flight from Cleveland doing a, a clinic up there and um, a pocket a shop in, a, in a, a group up there. And, you know, they closed down everything. So I got home about in the nick of time, I guess. And, like, you know, I've been fortunate that I didn't get caught up in all that mess. Um, you know, uh, since then, fishing's been up and down. It's been such a strange year. Um, I've had some incredible fishing. But I've also ran into some some of the toughest smallmouth fishing I've ever had in my guiding career. Um, that's a whole another topic for another time. But it's been good, man. I've had some super big fish, and you know, had some drought too. But it's that's part of the game, you know. Um, all in all, I can't complain. You know, family's healthy, everybody's good. You know, I've been blessed to have a lot of good clients. That, you know, checked up on us. And, you know, so I'm, I'm all in all, I can't complain. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, on a more positive note, you know, I know you've been working on your Game Changer book for a long time and it's coming out soon. Uh, what's the release date? Um, you know, the, the, the official release date is mid-October. Um, I think November 1st is going to be the hard date um, just because I think the books are supposed to be in the warehouse based on Jay, my editor, saying mid-November. Um, he's not giving me an exact date. You know, he's saying it's kind of you know, October 15th, but it's hard day. It's going to be the first of November. So, uh, you know, we, we did launch the pre-sale to all that and that that's been going well. Um, I've been super happy to finally have that behind me. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. It's been a long journey. Um, a lot of it's, you know, been put aside because of life and all that kind of stuff. So it hasn't, it's been a, a lot longer than what Jay would definitely want to spend on a book, but, uh, that being said, it's finally done. Um, but there's also going to be a sequel to it. We can talk about that a little bit later as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned pre-orders. What's the best place for folks to go to if they want to kind of get in the line? Because I've seen stuff kind of, uh, particularly, I guess, from Flyman, where, you know, there are opportunities to get the book, get the book signed, get the book with, you know, Game Changers, all sorts of good stuff. Is that the best place for folks to go? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Flyman. Um Flyman is definitely, you know, their partner. Um, a lot, I have a, other partners. Uh, Renzetti is going to be a distributor of it. Um, Caroline Dubbin is going to be a distributor of it. Uh, Flyman's been a, obviously a big partner. In, you know, a lot of the materials we come out with, like the, the shanks and, and uh, the, obviously the selling of the flies and all. But, um, yeah, um, Martin definitely over at Flyman's 
been a big part of it. You know, of course, other fly shops all over have been super supportive. You know, Schultz up in Michigan at Schultz Outfitters, um, Mad Rivers, they're on board. Um, there's, there's, you know, I have a, a slew of, you know, a lot of friends out there in the industry. <laughs> part of it's being in it so long, you know, it's like 30 years of being in the fly industry. So it's, you know, you, you form a lot of good relationships and, you know, it's a, it's a small world. So I'm super thankful and blessed to call a lot of people in this industry friends. So, you know, Costa, Yeti, everybody's been behind it. TFO, you know, um, everybody. But uh, Flyman really has kind of been super into it and super uh, supportive of it and wanting to help out. You know, of course, if they want to get it directly from me, they can email me as well. Um, so there's a slew of ways to do it. Um, but definitely Flyman has kind of been on the cutting edge and kind of hopped on it first thing with with the three orders yeah so what i'll do is i'll drop links to all that stuff in the show notes and um you know i've been talking to you for a long time i mean we, i can't even remember the first time we met each other and you know i know that um you know the game changer book was a long time in the oven uh what was the writing and edit- editing process like for you blaine <laughs> um there's, it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, it's, uh, for me, writing is um, a means to an end, really. It's, it's not something I'd love to do, but uh, once I sit down and start doing it, um, I do actually enjoy the, that process because it, it teaches me a lot about what I what I do. Um, and sitting down with Jay Nichols, my editor, and um, he pretty much had to, he realized quite a while ago that if we're going to get the book done, he was going to have to come hang out, stay a couple nights at my house or me come up and stay with him or we go somewhere in a cabin and just kind of lock me in for a couple <laughs> days just to get some progress done because he knew if he left me alone, I was just not going to do it. Um, and he, he knows me. So, um, I guess that creative side of me, it's kind of hard for me to stay organized and stay focused on one thing. Like, you know, I'll get going on it and, you know, next thing that, you know, I'm thinking about a fly or something and kind of lose track of the book. Um, so there was a lot of droughts on that and me not not doing anything on it. So Jay stepped up and said, look, man, we're, we're going to do this together. And we're gonna, you're going to do the best book that you can, you can and I'm going to make sure we get it done. We're gonna, it's not going to come out until it's right. And uh, and b- that being said, you know, Jay is an unbelievable editor, but, he, you know, Lefty I always considered him, him and Nick Lyons, the best editors he's ever worked with. And Jay's track record would speak loudly to that. He's worked with the best in the industry, you know. Um, but uh, one of the great things about what Jay does is he teaches you how to write. You know, um, I'm not a writer. Uh, I just have the information. But he, he also brings out stuff in you that you that you may not really connect on what you're trying to do when you're designing plots. And Jay has this way of bringing things out. Well, why are you doing this? He asks you questions that you answer. And, it, you know, and so that's kind of how he helps writers um, fly anglers become writers. Um, so, you know, Jay's background is he was, you know, he was the, the editor of Fly Fisherman magazine before Ralph Snell took over. And, you know, he's worked with um, Stackpole Books for years. And he has his own publishing company, too, called Headwater Books. And, you know, the other thing about it is Jay and I, you know, Lefty set this whole thing up. Um, he invited me and my wife, Christy, up to his house. And, just because he wanted to show, share some stuff with me, and his his whole thing behind that was to get a book written. Um, and you know, he he had invited Jay to have lunch with us, which I didn't know anything about at the time. And he just told me we're having lunch with Jay Nichols, and you're gonna have a book contract by the end of lunch. <laughs> That's how the whole process started. And uh, in the process of that, too, Jay and I become really close friends. Um, you know, he was either gonna do that or kill me. You know, so it's. Uh, what we did do, though, not to ramble on, um, there, I had so much information. Of, Jay decided to break the book down into two books. Um, so the first one is basically going to be um, streamer style or bait fish imitations. Um, both of them are probably going to be called Game Changer. I don't think we're going to change the name of the second, the sequel to the book. But uh, the second one's going to be basically a lot of the other patterns that I've had over the years. Just one a bunch of one enough room you know to, to be a six seven hundred page book you know so so they thought it'd be best to kind of break it up into different parts you know the second book would be 
critters and crustaceans and other stuff like that. So um, the, the, the book now is going to be the process of the game changer. Um, how, you know, the development of the gummy minnow, the T-bones, all this stuff kind of preceded the game changer and kind of built on, on the whole process of learning what, how to make a fly swim like a real fish and creating these triggers that, that cause this fish to, to want to attack your offering or, or not. Got it. And so, you know, that's really cool. And I think I've seen on Instagram, some of the flies that are probably going to end up in the, in the second book. Um, yep. Yep. So the, um, you know, talking about, you know, I'm kind of curious, you know, you start the book project, um, you know, you learned a lot, um, about yourself. And I know like always when I write, it helps me refine my thinking too. You know, when you were envisioning writing game changer, who did you want to write it for? Uh, who did I want to write it for? Mm-hmm. Um, like your audience, like, is it for, yeah. Yeah. So for me, it, it, the whole, this book is obviously, you know, my, my life's work in, in the fishing game. Um, because everything I've learned is based on observations on the water and on a positive or negative on how fish react to what you throw at them. So for me, it, I think this book will definitely uh, work for anybody that's into fishing or tying. It doesn't have to be just a tire book because we do talk a lot about my, my thought process on predatory and prey and how I fish things. And, you know, it could be anything from water clarity ambient light and all these all the whole process of how you would go into the game of, of predator hunting right so um i would say this this book would be for anybody that's into into, into fishing fly fishing especially obviously but uh it's not just for fly tires you know i think it would uh definitely be very helpful for someone that didn't quite understand the predator prey aspect and it, 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 in my opinion i think Anybody that ties flies has a, a leg up on the other just because it helps them understand the whole process of how it all works. Because what happens with the tire is they have to learn the food item in those given waters that they're going to be fishing. And by doing that, they also have to understand the, how the predator responds to that prey offering, whether it may be a, a nymph or a midge or, or a crayfish, could be a shrimp, you know, or, or a crab. Or obviously in this book, it's bait fish. Um, so that whole process to me is going to be beneficial to anybody that's interested in, in, in hunting predators and how you can up your game in that whole process. No, that's really awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you, you were talking earlier, I mean, you've been in the sport for 30 years and, you know, not only have you done that, you've done it at a high level and you've got gotten the opportunity to spend a lot of time with some of the greats in our sport you know, who are some of those folks and, you know, how did they influence your evolution as a tire? Oh man. Yeah. I, I've been really blessed on that whole thing. I mean, when I was a young teenager, you know, the first people I saw and I admired were Flip Pallet and, and Larry Dahlberg. And, um, you know, I, here in the past seven, eight, nine years, I got to know Larry re- really well we got to spend quite a bit of time together um not as much here in those past couple of years but uh seeing larry hunt for big fish you know when i was in my teens uh opened my eyes to to the whole predator game there because i remember seeing him going all over the world targeting these giant fish not only on a conventional tackle but on fly and it just it just really intrigued me at that point and then and then getting a chance to meet him, and then you know, I'm not I'm not ever going to compare myself to Larry because I think he's the fishiest person I've ever met. Um, definitely a true legend um, that I think is probably underappreciated at this point. I think uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how unbelievable Larry is in his mind and how he how he thinks about fish and. and predators and prey and and you know his ability to be able to create stuff like all the different lures he's created and a lot of the flies the Dahlberg divers iconic and and all that but you know being at a young age is very uh, inspiring to see him targeting these fish and then seeing him catch a muskie on a fly I'm like well I have that in my backyard you know so 
Larry was a big part of that whole process. And then, then obviously the best show I think ever was, you know, Walker's K with Flip Pallet. And, you know, here in recent years, I've got to know Flip really well. And, um, I've always admired him and he's just got this coolness about him. And he always, his shows were just unbelievably well written. And, and obviously the way Flip, spin it and, and make his shows about the people he had on, on the boat with him and, and, and the, the cinematography, the whole thing just made it uh, something like, I want to do that for the rest of my life, you know, and then just being able to meet him finally and, and spend time with him, especially here in the past two years, it's been unbelievable, but, you know, the, the person that's helped me more than anybody um, and, and not just fishing with, with Lefty, I mean, he, he helped uh, cultivate my career. He he helped guide me in the right spot, um, which has paid huge dividends with this whole new world we live in now. He always told me not to put all your eggs in one basket. You, you, if you're going to do something in the fishing world, you need to have five or six things that you can make money at when one or two or three are not going to make money for you at that time. So he helped teach me how to diversify and, and get me, obviously, into this book. You know, so I owe a ton to Lefty and, you know, obviously uh, somebody as a fly tire that's inspired me more than anybody is Bob Popovich. I mean, he's the greatest fly tire that's ever lived and innovator, too. So Bob is someone I've, you know, looked up to for 25 years, 28 years of being in the tie-in part of the sport. I've been guiding now for 30 years, but... I think I, I think I first met Popovic probably about 26 years ago. And, um, you know, there's that whole thing of me tying the gummy minnow and taking it to him down at Harper's Island and showing it to him at this party and him introducing me to Lefty, which started this whole, this whole life change that I've had over the, of my career. But, uh, Bob, Bob Popovic has been an unbelievable friend and he's, he's always had my back and, He's always allowed me to bounce ideas off of him. He's, he's, met, he's always had time for me, you know, just like everybody I've mentioned. And another one's Bob Clouser. I mean, Bob has kind of been the same type of guide that I've been, you know, warm water species, small amount fast. And there's not a better classroom, in my opinion, to be a fly angler than targeting smallmouth bass on the East Coast because you have clear water. You can see what the fish does positively or negatively to what you throw at them. And it, it an unbelievable classroom and and Bob has always been super helpful so you know I, I've, I've had an unbelievable career as far as falling into the right place and meeting the right people and you know that's what made these guys so great is they're they always want to help you know Lefty always wanted to help I've never seen Lefty turn anybody down even though he'd be dead tired you know he would always have time for everybody and, and all these guys I mentioned do so they just want to share their knowledge, and that's that's one of the things that Lefty always preached. So, you know, I try to do that too. So, following their footsteps is really important. And Larry always would say, "You stand on the shoulders of those who come before you. You're not, you know, standing on their coattails." So, uh, I, and it's true. I mean, I always wanted to tell them how much I appreciate them. Let me hang out and learn from them, but. They, they understood it, and as, you, as I get older, I do too, and it's super important to share what you know. Don't hold back, you know, because the future of our sport are the people coming into it. So we got to continue to help make this sport grow by teaching and sharing what we know. So I guess it's part of why this book's coming out as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I know we meant, you touched on this a little bit earlier. I know you've got a, a special relationship with Martin Bodden at Flyman Fishing Company. Can you talk a yep. little bit kind of about like how, you know, the fishing tying problems you were trying to solve kind of intersected with, you know, Martin's vision for fly tying and how that, um, you know, helped you evolve your tying? Sure. Um, I was always playing around at my tying desk, you know, doing different stuff, trying to create, you know, the whole thing with the gummy minnow and the evolution of that and how that kind of predecessor to the game changer. Um, and really they all are because they, it, it, and that's what the book talks about. So it, it talks about where I started, um, and then where I am now and the whole process of trial and error to how all this stuff was 
stair-stepping to where it is. And during that process, I met Martin at some shows over the years and, you know, uh, saw some of the stuff he was doing. Um, and it kind of goes back full circle. Lefty um, wanted me to come hang out with him when he was going to be in Virginia and Martin was going to be coming as well and staying in a cabin in Mike Smith's place. And, 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 and that kind of started the whole process with Martin. Um, and we, we like said we should work together because he saw how Martin was trying to be bringing new products to the fly fishing industry and, and how I was kind of stuck and not being able to, you know, it's a big thing with a lot of the stuff is I had all the ideas, but I didn't have, the means to get them done. You know, I'm, I'm not a great business person. You know, I'm, I, I love fishing. I love the whole process of creating and all that, but I don't have that business mind. And, and you know, I, I get, I understand where my flaws are, where, you know, where my limitations. So Lefty being who he was always would try to help and see, saw opportunity, right. For both of us. So he just thought we should connect. And, and we did. And I, it, I shared a bunch of ideas with Martin over, over that time. And, uh, we, it just kind of formed that relationship. You know, I, I gave him the ideas and he, he had the means of getting them done. And that's kind of the short answer to that. I mean, we could talk about that for a long time, but I really, I really like how Martin kind of didn't want to stay in the same box that our industry was kind of in, you know, it's just kind of stagnant and, there wasn't, you know, not saying there wasn't great innovations, but it just, you know, it just, I wasn't seeing anything that was, you know, outside the box thinking totally. So during that process, I, you know, with Martin, I'm like, I have all these ideas. I just don't have a way of getting them done. And I feel like the big thing is with this industry is it's such a small industry where you try to go to big companies that are outside the fishing industry. They want a half a million dollars or a quarter of a million dollars to even to even think about making something, you know. So uh, Martin, being who he is, he had ways of making things happen, and um, I, I totally appreciate how Martin can make things happen. Give him the ideas, and he can bring them to fruition. And you know, the whole thing with the whole flies, you know, the, that we're doing now. I mean, the, the game changers that he's producing are as good as I can do. And if they're not as good as mine, they're right below it. And they're so good that I don't feel like I have to tie my own flies anymore. And when I went with him on that whole fly game, like Martin, I want you to make my flies, but the whole deal is, is I don't want to have to make them anymore. I want to be able to call you up, need another dozen white finesse changers or whatever. And I just want to make sure that they perform the way I want them to perform. And, he has made that happen, and it's, I, I couldn't be more proud of that, you know. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think people really know who Martin is. I, I, I think, you know, he has a vision, and I, I couldn't be more excited to be working with him because he, he, he is a go-getter, and, he you know, he's in it for the right reasons, I feel like, and uh, he loves the innovation. He loves making fishing easier, and that's, that's kind of what it is, right, so, uh, with this whole progression of, making the sport better than what it was when you started, you know, and that's kind of how Lefty and Popovic and Dahlberg and all these great people that I'm not having mentioned, um, have done Dave Whitlock of the world, all these anglers, they thought they've always, they brought something to the sport. They got it better than it was when they first got there. And that's, that's kind of what everybody's trying to do now, you know, and that's Martin and I are just trying to make our little niche and, you know, make the sport a little bit better. Yeah. And speaking of that, I mean, you know, I can't imagine that people that are going to listen to this don't really understand kind of one of the core things about Flyman, but I'll just say it because I have a kind of an int- a question I want to ask you about it. You know, the biggest thing I think that Martin does is he takes a lot of the the drudgery out of tying um, more complicated patterns, right? In the sense of like, you know, my understanding is, you know, in the early days, you were literally in your garage with bolt cutters cutting, making your own shanks, right? So, oh, yeah. Right. So you yeah. go, you go, yeah. fr- you go from that and you and Martin work together and you're like, well, you know, now we have a way to do this. That's, you know, easy and scalable. And I was really kind of curious about that ability to get, um, kind of base materials that work the way you wanted them to more easily, how that kind of helped the the path for developing the game changer. 
sure. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, why I had wire benders and cutters and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the whole process of having to do that and then make a fly, it just makes the whole process longer, um, more tedious, not as exact. Um, and a lot of things for me, I'm a, I'm not a production tire and I'm, and I just don't, I have more of that creative mind and I do not enjoy production tying. So for me to sit there and have to do shanks and all that kind of stuff, I would, I would lose my inspiration of tying before I even got started because I had to spend so much time doing that before I could sit down and tie. And, and I would say the average person doesn't have enough time to do what they want anyway. So if you have to do all these things before you can sit down and make a fly, that's going to take a while to make anyway, especially the game changer platform. Um, time is money, right? So if, if you just, I needed a shorter process. Martin was definitely the man. He could get it done and, and make it affordable too, right? So um, it, one, it shortens the whole process. We've, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to be able to get into it um, and not break the bank as well, you know. Um, and that's, that's another thing I like about it. It's, uh, we were making things that are affordable, making it a lot easier, you know, with even with stuff that, you know, I'm not doing directly with Martin, with like with his foam popper heads. Those are all great products that do a lot of different things that can make flies a lot easier to tie if you or if you're into tying. But that also make they they last, you know, that's the other thing. Um so there's a lot of positives that uh Martin and I've tried to think about when we're designing these things. It's like how can we make it the process better? And that goes kind of goes with the shanks the micro shanks that we came out with this year, you know, taking that triangular platform in the back versus the circular, it shrinks the, um, the gaps in between the sections, which helps eliminate the gaps when people are tying the fly. It also makes the fly swim a little bit easier because it, it comes straight up and down versus kind of going around a circle to get on pl- in plane or in line with the, the vertebrae. Right. So there's a lot of little tweaks that we are doing and playing around with and, you know, that's the cool thing about having that kind of freedom with a company that Martin has made. You know, um, he, he's the right size that, you know, you get a, you get going and get too big. It takes too many people to talk to to get anything done, right? So Martin's the guy that gets it done. And unfortunately, thing, we don't have five or six Martins running around. You know, that's the only limitation. He's got uh, too many jobs and not enough time to do them all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the thing that, things that's really been interesting to me, uh, particularly as I've interviewed guides and tires that are outside of the trout world, um, is how much uh, gear fishermen have influenced what they want to do with the vice. Um, sure. Yeah, how, how has that impacted your evolution as a tire? Huge. Um, and, and Larry Dahlberg was a, a big example of that, you know, and and his lure making, you know, not just the flies, just iconic flies that he designed years and years ago, but it's his lures like Mr. Wiggly and his, um, wide glides. And, you know, he's got countless other lures and, and, you know, being involved with the soft plastic companies and stuff that he's worked with, you know, all that stuff as a guide early on in my career, um, was eye opening on how fish reacted to this, these lures. And I mean, that was kind of the premises or genesis to the game changer. I mean, that was the gummy minnow was my first attempt to make a soft plastic style fly that would swim and act like a real fish, like kind of like a fluke or a cinco or, or any of these other soft plastic baits. Right. So, uh, it, that failed miserably as far as the swimming action, but it looked and it had the durability and it definitely looked like the real thing. So, you know, I can definitely speak for a bunch of other tires out there. The, the conventional side of things is a big stepping stone as a designer, and especially in the predatory prey type of thing, because those actions that they've created, whether it be jerk baits or, or lift crank baits or um, soft plastics, and have these incredible triggering mechanisms built into those lures that um, fish absolutely love. So. Seeing all that early on in my career made me 
appreciate how important that is, you know, and, you know, I thought we had talked prior about Harrison Steve and Steve Heiner and, and being on the Jackson river when I was 16 years old and, or 15 years old and, and seeing how important flies were and how fish on your success rate was, you know? And, um, so I had an open mind early on and, and the fact that Larry had his show, you know, one day, one week he'd be fly fishing or next week he'd be throwing conventional lures or he might do both. Like, this is how I'm doing it on conventional. Let's see how they react to fly. So that was, that was huge. Like I said, Larry, Larry was that guy that can, he's the crossover guy that's really been a huge inspiration of mine and someone I've always tried to emulate, you know, my career by because I feel like if you're good at all aspects of fishing, um, it just makes you that much more of a complete angler, right? So if you know how to throw bait casters and throw jerk baits and be able to walk the dog with different baits, you can always bring whatever you see there and try to start incorporating that into two designs. And, and, you know, it may not work out exactly the way you want, but you learn from it. And, and that's kind of the whole process that I've been going through my whole time career is learning what works and what doesn't work, you know, and just learn from it. Yeah, it's interesting too. And I mean, I guess, uh, you know, maybe starting with kind of the, what I would consider to be some of the earlier articulated fly designs, like, you know, circus peanuts and things like that. It seems to me that, you know, realism and fly tying has really exploded over the last 10 years or so. You know, what do you think has been driving that change um, in fly tying? Um, you know, I would say for one, social media, uh, it's driven a lot of it. Um, there's so much information out there now and people are fishing all over the world, different places. Um, and you know, the whole predator game has exploded more, right? So people have kind of not saying that, I mean, I love trout, always will, but, uh, and you could do the same thing with trout, man. You could you could turn a trout instead of an eating a size twenty eight mid. You can take that same fish and turn it into the predator it is, and have it eat a ten inch streamer, right? Um, so it all it's all dependent on conditions, and you fish the conditions. Um, and for me, I would say that people have had their eyes open with all the magazines like Fly Fisherman Magazine and, and all the you know, the, the, the videos that are out there on YouTube and, and you know, the, the other magazines like the Drake and, uh, you know, all these media genres have created a storm where people are traveling. You know, the Oliver Whites, the Akus, all these people, Christian, they're all going all over the planet and catching these epic fish that, you know, people like Larry and Lefty were doing years ago. It's just, it's more available to people and there's no doubt that you know people like kelly gallup like you mentioned um you know he take his streamer book i don't know how old it's been now the one he created he came out with years ago that kind of helped start it but and then you have the whole musky scene that, that that's been going pretty strong for the past seven eight years um it's just it's just more information out there and people are realizing now more than ever before that all these things can be done but um, like I said, people like Lefty and Dahlberg and Flip and Clouser and Popovics and people like Jake Jordan, you know, catching a bunch of marlin on fly, you know, and, and like, you know, giant marlin. I mean, that's crazy. All this stuff has been kind of coming and it's a big tidal wave that's just starting to crest now, you know, and I'm lucky to be riding that wave, just like a lot of the other people that are in this industry right now. It's a, it's a real exciting time to see all these giant predatory fish, you know, like arapaima and, um, you know, even these whales, catfish. I mean, all this crazy stuff out there that are, I mean, several hundred pound fish are being caught on fly readily now. You know, I mean, muskie, to catch a, a muskie on a fly now is not a big thing. You know, 10 years ago, it was unheard of. Yeah. You know, so... It's just it's it's just a, a wave that I think media has played a big role in, but uh, there's all I mean it's it's a kind of a, a lot of things. It's all the hard work that all these legends that come before us have laid the found foundation for, and now we're kind of picking that torch up and running with it 
on what they've given they've given us, but also the, the media and all the technology and all the new products that are coming out. I mean, the, all this kind of stuff in the fly lines and the rods, all of it, the reels, all of this stuff has made it easier to target stuff like that now too, right? And and then, and some of it also is due to the conventional world and people having more of an open mind than what they did years ago. And, and fly fishing is not, not a snobby sport anymore. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's turned into more of a hip thing and people are excited about it. And they're seeing that they can go on vacation, different exotic places and enjoy it. Not only that, but there's a lot of really cool fisheries in your back door that you are in fish species that a lot of people don't never, they never think about. And, and during this whole uh, thing we've got going on now, that's something I've really been focusing on and spending a lot of time in, in my home state and, and targeting fish species that I'd never really fished for before much that I always wanted to, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's an amazing deal. Uh, so, I mean, kind of a rambling on about it, but it's, there's just so many different, I guess, points that you could cover that w- that's causing this kind of tidal wave that we're having with, with uh, this explosion of, of predator prey streamers and, and whatnot, you know, it's just a perfect storm. A, a variety of different things really yeah and i know for you you know trying to figure out the strike triggers is really important for the way you fish and how you want to be effective on the water how do you think this big push into realism kind of translates into strike triggers okay yeah so for me um the movement's going to get the fish to your offering first right so if it doesn't have the right movement they're not going to pay that much attention but the last thing that, and I was I, I was taught this early on in fly fishing from trout and midges and nymphs and, and dry flies and all that. The last thing before a predator of any type does before they eat it is it's a food source that I normally eat, right? And all that has can be amplified based on water clarity, ambient light, all that kind of stuff. So the clearer the water the more realistic it needs to be, right? Uh, the longer they have to look at it, the more realistic it needs to be. So on the other side of that, the dirtier, the darker, it's more about movement and it doesn't have to be as realistic. But if you can combine realism with triggering movement, you have the best of all worlds. And that's kind of where the lures have always kind of kind of beat the fly deal on the streamer side. Now we can imitate almost exactly a mayfly nymph or a caddis larva or, or a mid larva, right? But on the streamer side of things, it was more impressionistic for a long time, right? Uh, there's been a lot of really realistic-looking streamers that didn't have a whole lot of movement to them. But uh, adding articulations and having these different materials come available now has really brought that to a next level, and it's, it's made the process. And, again, uh, companies like Martin and Flyman Fishing Company and, you know, Hairline Dubbin and, you know, uh, all these companies source out materials now that make flies lighter, have more movement and has the uh, translucency. And um, there's a whole thing with uh, too much flash, not enough flash, clear, the clearer the water, the less flash, the more realistic, you know, the dirtier the water, the more loud, more you want to make that fly have be more obnoxious in the water to get more notice. So, you have a lot of different things you could talk about for a long time um, on that side of it. But uh, the whole realism thing for me um, is a deciding factor, especially a lot of times on a fish of a lifetime. And not only that, but size. I mean, it's not always about a 12, 14 inch fly to get a, a 50 inch muskie. You know, you, sometimes if the water calls for it, a six, seven inch fly works even better. Right. So, a lot of times it's the movement that gets there, but is it the last second? Is it that, that, that food source that I, that's going to cause that last trigger to eat it, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I was able, I think, to kind of look at the table of contents of Game Changer and it seems like it's kind of roughly organized around kind of the four main patterns I think kind of is your tying evolved over time, the gummy minnow, uh, the fly pala, the T-bone and the game changer. And I was kind of curious if you could kind of walk us through 
kind of the evolution from the gummy minnow, you know, all the way the game changer to kind of let us hear your thoughts on kind of the fishing problems you were trying to solve and kind of how each pattern built on the one before it to get you to kind of the game changer platform that you've perfected today. Sure. Um, the game changer, the uh, game changer is the culmination of all, all of them. Um, and that, and the reason the book was called that is because all these different flies you mentioned are game changers in, in a way because they changed how my thought process was on design. And it was all based on, on the water observation. So guiding early on, um, some 20 some years ago, the gummy minnow, I think is 22 years old now, something like that. I, I crazy. I think 98, um, I believe that's when it hit the market. Um, so the gummy minnow was a material that I had to create because there wasn't anything available out there for me to be able to make a fly that I thought was going to swim like I saw plastic bait. Um, so I, you know, not a chemist, but I knew certain people that could help me out and Harry and Steve had a, had a chemistry background. So I had people I could talk to and, 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 and kind of ask questions on what I wanted to do and all this kind of stuff. So that, that process was first off was trying to create the movement that those Stinkos and those, uh, not Stinkos, but um, back then, uh, flukes and different soft plastic baits. There's all kinds of different ones at the market. Um, <clears throat> I'm forgetting some of the names, but anyway, that's not important. But uh, they had the movement, the realism, um, the profile, the silhouette, all that kind of stuff that, that uh, caused unbelievable fishing. I mean, when I had a client that would bring a friend that didn't fly fish that put on some of these soft plastics and didn't have to worry about them. You know, they were going to catch fish whether they, they fished it right or wrong. It's just the lures did the work for the angler. So that was my goal early on. Um, the negative to it is that fly performed super poorly on movement. It didn't, it wobbled, but it didn't have that swimming action that I was looking for. But, but the thing that the big triggering value that that fly had, this is a gummy minnow was that I could make it as realistic as any fly that's ever been tied. It could, it could exactly mimic a sand eel, a silver side, a bay anchovy, a dace, you name it. it. I could make it look exactly like whatever bait fish that you wanted it to look like. So you have opportunities out there where fish are sight feeding and like albacore, any type of tuna species and times for tarpon bonefish it's been one of the top bonefish flies um down in los roques that was the fly for years um still is um as those fish on the, down in los roques key in on glass minnows and that fly looks just like them so even though for me it was a i thought i looked at that fly as being a failure in a design for me because it did not do what i initially intended it to do but where it did where it made up in that is the realism so I took that process and, and started playing around with, well, how can I make this move more? You know, and I played around with kind of having ribbons in there and, and just, you know, adding fibers, making half the slide look realistic and other part of it looking, you know, having bucktail or feathers or fur or whatever coming off the back. And you would have a little bit of movement at that point, but I wasn't sold on it. And then obviously going to the next process, uh, you know, Popovich was doing the silicone um, with his lips and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I just said, you know, um, I could probably take this concept and make a lip out of this. So I took a hard mono and would tie it in off the front of the of, of a fly or the gummy, and then I would take silly skin and wrap it around it and then cut it the outline of of the lip of a sail Rapala. So it's just tying mono off the front, making it a perfect circle and then putting silly skin around it to clear. Then you could just trim it to the outline of that circle. Right. So that was a super quick way of making a lip. Then I had to work. I had to figure out balance and all that kind of stuff. So a guy named Rich Murphy who wrote an incredible striper book. Uh, and, and he turned me on to some, some, uh, tubing material um, that he was playing around with that he wasn't super happy with and 
wanted to see if I was interested in that. So about that time, I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'll play around with it. So I just took it home with me, started playing around with it. So I tied in and I'd reverse tie it and then switch it forward and tie it down. And then you create this, this uh, profile of a bait fish. Then if you wrap Billy skin around it, you, it would have the, the texture of the, of a real fish. It would look like a real fish, put the lip on it, put it on a, a, neck, a longer shank or a hook, a long shank hook. And you had a pretty much a fly. And that's where the fly Paula came from. And I made that fly in the, uh, I had that fly in my mind for all summer long. Um, and finally had a chance to tie it uh, when my wife was giving birth to my daughter. Um, 18 years ago. So that's why I was 18 years old. Uh, was 18 year old July 16th. Um, so it's uh, kind of funny people looking at you bringing a tying kid into to, uh, your, your, your wife's hospital bed while she's giving birth. And, you know, she happened to be, she was in labor for a long time. So I had, didn't have anything else to do while we were just hanging out. <laughs> so that, that fly was born at the same time I, my daughter was. So, uh, that's kind of a, a fly I'll never forget. But that taught me. Long story short, taught me how to start creating movement by adding lips. You know, Popovic kind of brought that idea by doing what he was doing. And then I just kind of took it and made it my own on what I was trying to do. So that taught me a little bit how, how you had to take surface areas and how that would change how, you know, the surface area of a fly, how hollow, how, how heavy it was in the water. If it sank, like a solid body, heavy fly wouldn't swim. But having it light and underwater and having it airy, like having that hollow body and having that lip allowed that thing to really swim. And if you had a tighter, narrower body, it would have a tighter wiggle. And the wider you made it and have a wider wobble. So that taught me about head design and how head would affect the fly and how it would move. So taking that same tubing moved into the T-bone. And the T-bone is basically taking that body tubing that I did with the Flapalo and making these um, these uh, spreader dams and then making different size heads with it. And that allowed me to have different swimming actions and then added, you know, using different fibers from bucktail to synthetics and creating, taking another thing from Bob Popovich again and his hollow flies, his style, and then moving into his beast flies creating that giant profile without adding too much bulk where it made it captive. And just taking that idea and, and adding those spreader dams with that body tubing and, and changing the different heads and then figuring out the more water diversions and all that kind of stuff. And the larger the head, the more kick and swim that you got. So that kept that, you know, and you can make them narrower to get it to have it glide a little bit more. And there was all kinds of different things and, and marrying fibers and changing different stuff that, that made the flies do stuff. So that started teaching me how flow and, and head designs and everything going from there back to the tail affected how the fly would swim. So not just adding a bunch of different materials onto a hook and then calling it quit. There was, I had to figure out putting materials in certain places to create the desired action. And then started playing with multiple wire benders and playing around with shanks and stuff like that. And, you know, there was always the, uh, the old salmon shanks that I, you know, I had that Flyman had. And, you know, that kind of tried to play with those. But I didn't like that upturn because that kind of messed with things. And, you know, so even messed with paper clips in the beginning. You know what I mean? So uh, there's all kinds of stuff. You even tried to try to get articulation by using backing and, 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 uh, spider wire. And, and I mean, and I even used beads back in the beginning where I'd take bead chain and tie materials off bead chain, but it was such a tedious process. It made it way too, uh, hard for the average person to do. And part of that whole process of designing flaws, you want to make it to where it's not a pain, right? You want to make it to where it can be repeated easily. And, and, and not like a one-time deal where this one works, but the other ones don't because I could figure out what, what materials or, or how it was tied that was making it do what a certain thing, right? So all that triggered the thought process of the game, the final thing and the game changer. And that's a whole other process in itself of 
different fibers and materials and adding this and that and taking away things. Um, and that's really what the book is talking about. Um, that whole evolution of all those three flies that lead into the final product, which is the game changer platform and taking multiple articulations, multiple shanks, basically a vertebrae and adding fibers to the head and different head shapes and materials being used to create, in my opinion, the ultimate swimming fly with realism and movement, you know? So it's, it's a whole process and to me, of failures over the years of 20 plus some years of trying to create that perfect in my mind that perfect fly to create that that trigger of that ultimate predator that fish of a lifetime to eat on a regular regular basis you know um i backed myself in a corner a long time ago targeting fish that don't have to eat and don't like to eat right with muskies so you know that that taught me a lot about about fly design and and what fish want and don't want you know, so taking something like that and taking that on and trying to create a, a consistent bite because I can control what I do with the fish and, and the environment that I'm fishing, but I can't control how often that fish gets targeted by other anglers, right? So you have that whole other thing and that whole process of being able to stay on, on the cutting edge above what that fish is getting pressured and, and getting educated and all that and then continually to try to evolve the tying and the fly design to kind of keep up with what that fish is going to want based on, you know, they get trained. I mean, they, they see something enough times they're not going to eat it again. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just, it's been a fun process, but it's also been, you know, not giving up and getting my butt kicked on a daily basis too. Yeah. (laughs) I got caught a lot of bad flies, you know what I mean? A lot of bad flies. So. Yeah, and I think one of, the, one of the interesting things, Blaine, about the game changer, you know, if you kind of think, when I think about gear stuff, you know, a lot of the actions on lures, um, they're not very versatile. Like, they do one thing, right? You know, crankbait, yeah. fish is here, this is the action, this Rapala has this action. But to me, one of the neat things watching the game changer is it's a, the actions with it are really versatile. So, like, I, you know, I've seen it fished where it scurries. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've seen it fish where you get that t-bone action where you can make it jackknife you know i think it's really neat right that you can kind of you know particularly given how long it takes to tie one um right yeah right that's right. the downfall but, right yeah but i mean it's but, great right but it lasts forever yeah you know, it does if you don't lose it no 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 change you're left behind yeah you know, i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a t-shirt made saying that <laughs> you know if you put that time in man you're not gonna let it go you're gonna go get it but uh, you're right i mean that was the whole process to try to have a very versatile, realistic swimming action that you can do five or six type of things with it, you know? And, and that is, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm a cocky person and I'll ever want to be seen that way. But, and that's where I was kind of struggling with the name of the fly in the first place. I had friends tell me, I mean, cause I would always say, man, this is just this, this design is a game changer for me. And they like that's the name you need to name it. And I, I remember going back and forth with several people. like, I don't want people to think that, you know, that's not my style, but, um, I'm glad I did it because it is, it's been a huge, it's been a huge difference in my life and not just on the water, but off the water too. I mean, it's, uh, that platform and that fly is, it's changed, uh, my life for the better, it, it, especially, um, in today's world with everything going on. I mean, like I said earlier, there's so many different avenues that Lefty tried to tell me to do. And, and this, this process of coming out with the flaws when we did really saved me when we, when we couldn't guide for three months, you know, I had income coming in from my royalties on my designs, which saved me, you know, it just really did. And uh, so I guess the game changer and it was definitely a game changer in my life for sure. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, I don't think you can underestimate, you know, you're talking about earlier about well, you got to decide bright day, sunny day, water clarity. And so you kind of make those decisions, but you know, when you're trying to kind of dial it in on a day in the water and you can put on one streamer that you can, once yeah. you've kind of made that conditions decision um, right. that you can fish a lot of different ways about how, you know, you know, it's kind of that running yarn with guides, right? Like if your fly's not in the water, you're not going to be catching any fish. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, we ran into that thing 
past two days guiding for bass. Um, um, you know, fish were playing with different colors. You'd have laws on top, you know, cicada season here, and we were getting some nice bites on top, and then you had some weather move through, and they just weren't eating on top anymore, so we had to go under. So we are using different types of game changer platforms. We started with the feather changer and a white, all white, and we're getting some bites, and I'm like, you know, doing this kind of herky-jerky movement and kind of darting it around. And I'm like, you know, I just these fish are just not, they're not in a chasing mood. So I said, let's, let's, let's go to the finesse changer in, in, a, in a tan, a real natural look. And you're just going to do a twitch and let it fall for a long time and then twitch, twitch and let it fall. So you're, you're really relying on the realism of that finesse changer with that light twitch. It'll move in like a struggling real bait. It'll have that swimming action, but it's like a dying look instead of a runaway. And that, and that, that, at that point, you're, you're keeping the fly in the fish's face and you're letting them study what that fly is doing. So they're getting a very good look at it, but that's what they wanted. They didn't want to chase. And we just started catching fish every couple casts, you know? So there is a, like you just said, there's a huge difference on how you can fish them and how you, that's why there are so many different styles of that fly. And, and it, and you do, you fish the conditions and you fish the fishes, how the fish, their mood. If they don't want to chase, you got to do more of a twitch and die type of deal and just keep it there. Might have to fish it deep and keep it down too. A foot, a difference sometimes is getting them to go versus not getting them to go, you know? So there's a lot of different avenues to kind of prospect as you go through a day on the water. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any uh, fishing puzzles that you're trying to kind of solve right now, Blaine? Fly tying puzzles? Yeah, there is. You know, I've um, so that walk the dog, um, true walk the dog, uh, jerk bait style has been a, a big deal for me over the years. And I've finally caught a fly that um, call it the jerk changer because uh, it does still have a little bit of that game changer platform. Just, uh, a little bit of different design to it and it, it's i've been playing with a lot this year a bunch of different species on it um everything from redfish to largemouth smallmouth snake heads both in um and everything stripers um so I've, it's been fun uh that's a that's a fly that you know in a normal year where you're guiding a lot you just don't get time to sit down and and design and uh this the one thing about this corona thing is that it, it did give me one, it gave me a lot of time with family, which I'm very grateful of. But it also allowed me to sit down and my creative juices started flowing. And I had time to put things onto the vice itself that uh, I've just been on my mind and just wanted to know how it would look and how it would work in the water. I just didn't have the time to get it there. And that's one of them. You know, there's a bunch of other, like, you know, the critter changers and all that kind of stuff that I've kind of had in the worked for a long time but um started releasing some of that because the game fits book with the you know the, the the streamer side of it is coming out now and then the the predecessor of it's going to be more on the critters and and the bug side of, of the fly so um just tweaking some of that stuff and, and and you know i've got some other designs that i'm i'm working on right now that i'm real excited about with martin and you know it, it's it's uh a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe for sure. Absolutely. And so for your critter changer book, is that going to be a next year thing or are you going to probably skip a year and put it out the following year? Yeah, it's, it's probably going to take at least two years to get that finished. We have a lot of it done um, just because, you know, we, we did a lot of the photos and, and some of the writing of, of that. We just, you know, it's just going to be some uh, fine tuning and, and, and uh, adding a couple and figuring out, what's going to be in it and what's out. And that's part of Jay's job. We just got to kind of narrow it down to, and get more specific about it. And it's just going to take a probably this year. We're going to probably get back on it here in the, the late winter, early spring, but probably take a little bit of time off here to kind of appreciate what we did. It took so many years to get it done. And hopefully everybody um, likes it. You know, that's another thing. You put yourself out there. It's not sure if it's going <laughs> to, be what people expect it to be you know so hopefully it will be yeah yeah i'm sure it will be and kind of speaking about all that stuff you know obviously 
COVID has impacted so many things, you know, do you have, you know, upcoming events to promote the release of the book or are you kind of waiting to get the book out in the world and kind of see where COVID shakes out? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole fluid thing in itself, you know, um, show seasons. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with all that. That's usually where a lot of books get sold and, you know, you get to meet people and sign books and stuff like that. So I'm kind of bummed that that's not looking real good. Uh, but you know, there's, there's other avenues. I've had some shops reach out. So we might do some like shop stuff, uh, and probably just go by the rules of the state and whatever they've got going on. And like I said, you know, working with, you know, all the companies like Flyman and Renzetti and, you know, uh, scientific angler and TFO and Patagonia, all those companies, Yeti and Costa, all those companies have really helped me and they're, they've helped promote it. So that's helped the process and, you know, Fly Fisherman magazine, um, they're, they're doing a, a nice piece on it. And, uh, so, I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's like I said, having friends in the industry that you've been able to work with over the years, it's really helped in this, this new world, you know, and, uh, it's like I said, I mean, other thing is it's such a small industry too. We all got to be there to help each other get through all this too. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if, if like a club or a shop owner wants to catch up with you is the best way to reach out to you on what by email or hit you up on your social media feeds, what's the best way for folks to kind of track you down? Yeah, email um, chocolate at comcast.net or my social media, Blaine Chocolate Fishing on Instagram or, or Facebook. So what I'll do is I'll drop all that stuff in the show notes, and uh, that way people will have one place to go to kind of track that information down. And, you know, Blaine, I appreciate you carving out uh, a little bit of time to chat with me about this. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, thanks, man. I always appreciate you having me. And thanks for, thanks for everything. Oh, dude, my pleasure. Well, listen, you have a great day. Thanks you too much. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a review in the podcatcher of your choice. And a shout out again to this episode's sponsor, our friends at Steelhead Alley Outfitters. Remember to go to www.steelheadalleyoutfitters.com and get set up today. Tight lines, everybody.